Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. The Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions. They are ten commandments. Not optional extras, but a revelation of God's nature and standards, revealing our sinfulness and revealing our need for a Savior. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. Some people define freedom as doing whatever they want, whenever they want. But is that true freedom? Would you really want to live in a society without any rules? Today on The Verdict, we're discussing the Ten Commandments and learning why God gave these commands and what role they play in our lives today. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe with today's lesson. Last time we began the study of the Ten Commandments. They're recorded in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 and have been influential throughout the world as a legal and moral code. Are you familiar with the Ten Commandments? Have you memorized them? Have you seen them displayed? Do you think you can keep all of them? I find it very helpful to remember that it is God who gave the commandments. And as our Creator, God knows what makes us happy, what makes us sad, what is good for us, and what is bad for us. Today we'll learn more about why God gave us these commandments and how we should view the Ten Commandments as followers of Jesus Christ. Don't rebel against God. Let's humbly consider why He gave us these commandments. The Ten Commandments were given by God to a redeemed people, to the people of Israel. They were given by God. Three months after crossing the Red Sea, the children of Israel arrived at Mount Sinai. This was the fulfillment of God's promise to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3. And Moses now goes up Mount Sinai to receive the law given by God. The Ten Commandments are given by God as a God of love to his chosen people, to the people, so that they would enjoy life, so that they would be wise, so that they would be fulfilled, so that they would glorify God, and so that they would be free. And you say, now hold it. How can you be given laws and have freedom? Surely freedom and law are opposites. Of course they're not. Being free in life isn't doing what you want. Any fool can do that. Freedom isn't doing what you want to do. True freedom is doing what you know is right. That's freedom. And the Ten Commandments were given to a redeemed people. The Ten Commandments, look back to Exodus chapter 20, in your Bibles there as we read. The Ten Commandments were given to Israel after their exodus from Egypt. Verse 2, Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God. There's the relationship between God and His people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. He is the one who has delivered them. They are a redeemed people. Once they were slaves in Egypt, but now God has redeemed them. He has delivered them. He is their God, and to His own people, His chosen people, He gives them the law. So the Decalogue, the ten words, were not given to pagan unbelievers, but were given by God to His chosen people, the people whom He dearly loved. Now He is telling this people, whom he loves, whom he has delivered from slavery. He's telling them how they are to live 
And he's telling them how he, the holy God, is to be worshipped. So it's very important for us to understand that the Ten Commandments were given to a people of faith, to a people who were redeemed and delivered, to a people who are already saved by the Lord. That is, the Ten Commandments were not given to redeem people. They were given to a people who were already redeemed. Theologically, we could say the law was given for their sanctification, not for their justification. Now you say, John, that's all very interesting. And I know you're interested in history, but quite honestly, I'm not. Why should we be studying an ancient legal code? Why study the Ten Commandments? Let me give you three reasons. First, the Ten Commandments reveal the holiness of God. The Ten Commandments tell you what God is like. He is awesome. He transcends time and space. In giving the law, did you notice there is a symbolic distance between God and the people? God is on the top of the mountain. He is on top of Mount Sinai as the transcendent holy God and communicates with his people in this written form, written with his very fingers, telling them what kind of God he is. The Ten Commandments then reveal the standards of a holy God and what it means to live a holy life. First, they reveal the holiness of God. Secondly, they reveal our sinfulness. That's the flip side that when you break the law of God, that is sin. And the Bible is repeatedly going to give us this terrible, negative, bad news that all of us have sinned and have come short of what? Of the glory, of the standard of God. That is right. It reveals our sin. It reveals God's holiness. Thirdly, the Ten Commandments also reveal our need for what? For God's grace. Now, Israel knew about God's grace Israel had seen firsthand the grace of God in their remarkable deliverance through the Red Sea. They didn't deserve to be delivered from Egypt, if you know anything about the history of the Israelite nation. This was God's grace in operation. The law was a gracious provision to them and a reminder to them and a reminder to us that we stand in need of God's grace and of God's forgiveness. Because we read as we come to the New Testament, for example, let me read to you Paul as he deals with this subject in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. In other words, God's standard is so immutable that if you come short on it in just one small detail, you're under the curse of God. That is, the law of God requires perfect obedience. So if you want to get into heaven by obeying the Ten Commandments, you must have obeyed it at all times perfectly. No exceptions, not even for one second. Perfection. The law requires perfect obedience. And so the law does what? It points us to the grace of God, our need for grace. And in particular, of course, it points us to our Lord Jesus Christ, who comes to do what? To condemn us and to say, you have broken God's law. He comes primarily not to condemn, but to do what? To save. Because we understand as we examine, and we're going to see this as we study the Ten Commandments, that we all, without exception here at church, have broken God's law. 
You say, well, the problem is with the law. No, the problem is not with the law. The law is perfect. The law is holy. It's written with the finger of God. The problem is not with the law. The problem is with your heart and my heart. That you've got a deceitful heart, and I've got a deceitful heart, and that's the problem. And the law tells us what to do, but as Paul says so well in the opening verses of Romans chapter 8, the the law does not give us the ability to obey. It is weak in the flesh that the problem is not with the law. The problem is that I am too weak in my flesh to perfectly obey the law. And so the law then points me to the one who is coming, our Lord Jesus Christ, who comes to seek and to save the lost. And so Paul says in Romans 10 verse 4 that Christ is the end of the law. He is the culmination. He's the goal. He's the fulfillment of the law. Again, Galatians 3, 24, therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. We're no longer under the law for you're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are no longer under the Mosaic law as a rule of law. Why? Christ has brought its fulfillment. As I look at the law of God and I examine my own life, I experience condemnation. I experience guilt. I experience shame because I've broken God's law. And it points me to Jesus Christ, the one, the only man who ever walked on this earth who perfectly fulfilled the law of God. He made it honorable. And now in the wonder of the gospel, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is credited to my account and that I can stand acceptable to God even though I've broken the law. Why? Because another has come in my place, has paid the price for my sin, has obeyed the law, and now his righteousness and his holiness is credited to my account. And you say, does this mean then that we are under no law at all? Oh yes, we are under God's law. We're not under the Mosaic law, but we are under Christ's law, as Paul tells us in Galatians 6 verse 2. And the Ten Commandments, please listen to this, the Ten Commandments of the Mosaic law are reapplied in the New Testament to the new covenant people of God as expressions of God's eternal standards and character. Have you noticed in your Bible there is the Old Testament and the New Testament? Some people don't understand the difference. We are, those of us who know Christ, we are under not the Old Covenant, not the Old Testament. We are not under the Mosaic Law. We are now New Covenant people. And the writers of the New Testament take the Ten Commandments and reapply them to ourselves who are New Covenant people of God because the Ten Commandments were an expression of God's eternal moral standards and His character. And so the Ten Commandments are to be obeyed. They're written in that form. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You shall not commit adultery. Not up for debate. Remember whose finger wrote them. Now, is that really so bad? Aren't you glad someone has told us what to do in life? Can you imagine a society where there are no rules? Can you imagine that? Yesterday, I had the privilege of coaching little four-year-olds at soccer, the world's greatest sport, (laughs) trying to tell these little 
boys and girls, how to kick a ball. And I noticed that the other team, not ours, of course, but in the other team, there's a couple of little boys who started pushing. What were they doing? Breaking the rules. And we had to explain to them. And I had to explain to one of the girls in our team that although boys push you, you don't push them back. I really wanted to say to her, that's fine as long as you get the goal, but you can't do that. <laughs> you got to remember they're only four years old. But here were a couple of boys pushing to get the ball. And what are we to do? We have to stop play. We have to explain to them, to these four-year-olds or three-and-a-half-year-olds, that when you're trying to kick the ball, one is you kick the ball and not the opponent, and it is not allowed to push. In order to play the game, you have to play within the rules. And if we all play within the rules, the game is going to be much more enjoyable. But if a couple of us are pushing and kicking and picking up the ball, we're going to have problems. Now, isn't that true, not just for a game of soccer for four-year-olds? Isn't that true of life? That God gives His law to us, not because He's a killjoy, not because He's harsh, not because He wants to restrict us. The reverse is the case. God wants us to have true freedom. He wants to lead us in the paths of righteousness and holiness and wisdom and freedom and fulfillment. But you say, why are they so negative? Well, do you look on them as negative? You say, I want everything to be positive and upbeat and fun. Well, we wanted the soccer to be positive and upbeat and fun. But in order to achieve that goal, we have to bring in a negative, thou shalt not push. And the reason the Ten Commandments may appear to us to be negative is that all of us have an inclination to do evil. And we need the negative to remind us that particular behavior is wrong and particular behavior is, in fact, sinful. So the negatives are the logical consequences of positive statements. Let me ask you, those of you who are married, when you made your marriage vows, was that negative or positive? Well, that's maybe a wrong way to put it. Some of you say, hey, <laughs> if you knew who I was married to, you would say it was negative. No, I don't mean it that way. I mean, at the time you were making the, the vows, was that positive or was that negative? It was positive, of course it was positive, but in your marriage vows, wasn't there an element of negative? Of course there was, because if you're saying you are entering in voluntarily into this exclusive relationship with this man or woman, you also say, and forsaking all others. Goodbye, Jenny. Goodbye, Susie. Goodbye, Jim. Goodbye, Bob. I'm saying no to you because I'm saying yes to her. I'm saying yes to him. And so even in our marriage vows, there is a negative aspect in order to achieve the overall positive and for us to live happy, fulfilled lives, receiving the blessing of God. There is a negative aspect, but overall, in their totality, the Ten Commandments are positive. Listen to Jesus as he summarizes them in Matthew 22, verse 36. Matthew 22, verse 36. The question asked, Teacher, what's the great commandment in the law? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. How brilliantly summarized by our Lord. 
When Jesus is asked to summarize the law, the law and the prophets, he responds with two positive statements of love. And so overall, the Ten Commandments are a message of love. First, I am to love God. What does it mean to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? How am I to worship this God? How am I to live this life to God's glory? The first few commandments will help us to answer that question, as we will see. But I'm also to love my neighbor as myself. How am I to do that? What does it mean that I'm to love my neighbor as myself? Well, there's going to be commandments saying, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you don't steal. You don't steal his car. You don't steal the flowers from his yard. And you certainly don't steal his wife. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Can we keep these commandments perfectly? As I say, no. Israel demonstrated very quickly and very dramatically that they couldn't keep the Ten Commandments before Moses comes down. They are building the golden calf in Exodus 32. And what was God's reaction? God told Moses to cut out two new stone tablets and to come up Mount Sinai again. There the Lord is going to reveal His compassion, His grace, and His forgiveness again, because we praise God that He is a compassionate God. I'm saying this morning then that the Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions. They are ten commandments. Not optional extras, but a revelation of God's nature and standards, revealing our sinfulness and revealing our need for a Savior. And each one of us here has broken the law, and that's why Jesus Christ came, keeping the law, explaining then that we are justified. We enter into a right relationship with God, not through obeying the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the Ten Commandments are not a ladder for you to climb up to reach heaven. No, the Ten Commandments are a mirror revealing God's holiness and our sinfulness, but the mirror cannot cleanse you from your sin. So this morning I get up and I look in the mirror. I see that I need to shave. I see I've got a little dirt on my face. The mirror tells me how I am, but the mirror is totally unable to cleanse me. It tells me what I look like and how I am, but has no ability to cleanse me. It is the mirror it's not the soap. And the Ten Commandments are the mirror, but they are not the soap. You say, how can we be cleansed? Well, this morning, I bring you not only to Mount Sinai, I bring you to Mount Calvary. The law says do, grace says done, and points us to the cross of Christ, whose blood is shed for the forgiveness of sins, where His blood is shed for sinners like you and me. And so if you're here without Christ and you're trying to live a good life, trying to obey the Ten Commandments, trying to follow the tenets of your religion, I congratulate you, but that will not bring you to heaven. You need to acknowledge that you have failed and you need a Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive you and to cleanse you and to transform you. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, will you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Will you love your neighbor as yourself? Jesus said, if a man loves me, he will keep my commandments. We have today in this country millions of people who say, I love Jesus, but we live as we like. What a travesty. We can't say we love Jesus and then live as we like. Jesus says, no, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And don't think of these commandments as harsh or burdensome or restrictive. They come from a God who loves you 
A God not only who gives us His law, but who also seeks a personal relationship with us. Look at this verse. I already read it to you from Exodus 19, verse 4. Look at this beautiful verse. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, delivered from slavery. The Egyptians conquered. But the Lord says, I did more than that. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you, not just to the promised land, something greater, brought you to myself. Do you get the care? Do you get the tenderness of this great God? A God who lifts His people out of slavery as a mother eagle lifts her chicks, her eaglets, to teach them to fly. You know, there comes a time in the life of these little eaglets in the nest, a time when they've got to leave the nest. The mother eagle stirs up the nest, and in effect, she kicks the little eaglets out of the nest. It's time for them to fly. But the mother never abandons them because she realizes some of them are going to struggle. And if some of them are not flying very well, what does the mother eagle do? She goes underneath them and she bears them up on her wings and lifts them higher and higher so that they can fly and enjoy life and be all that God intended them to be. So says the Lord, this is what I do to you. As we study the Ten Commandments, don't think of this God as harsh or legalistic. This is a God of love. This is a God of grace. He gives you. How are you going to fly high in life? How are you going to experience the blessings of God on your marriage, on your relationships, on your ministry? It is by doing it God's way. It is by obeying the Word of God. And when we fall, the Lord is there to lift us up. Moses is going to say, the eternal God is our dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Here is a God who seeks to lift us up to a life of joy, a life of freedom, a life of fulfillment and blessing as we experience His grace and as we humbly obey His Word. Therefore, do what? Therefore, trust the Lord. Therefore, serve Him. Therefore, obey Him. Therefore, love Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and God will bless you. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Today's message is titled, Ten Commandments or Ten Suggestions. And if you ever want to revisit or share any of these Bible lessons, you can do that anytime by going to our website at theverdict.org. And to go along with these daily messages, we're offering our listeners a special listening guide for our study on the Ten Commandments. This practical workbook will help you follow along as we dive deeper into these famous biblical laws. This printable workbook is a great way to enhance your daily Bible study, and it's completely free to download. So get your copy of the Ten Commandments listening guide by going to theverdict.org. And if these lessons and resources have helped you, Would you consider helping other listeners in the same way by supporting The Verdict's gospel outreach with a donation of any amount? Your support will help us share God's Word with new listeners in your community and across the world. You can easily give today by visiting theverdict.org or by calling us at 833-551-2231 or send a check through the mail by writing to The Verdict. 
care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. And don't forget to subscribe to The Verdict Podcast, featuring John's weekly podcast exclusive called Avizandum. Just search for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe on your podcast app and choose subscribe. Now, here's John. Well, what's your verdict? It's important to realize that the commandments are not a way of salvation. They are not a set of steps or a ladder we climb to be saved. All of us have failed. All of us have broken the Ten Commandments. We need a deliverer, a savior who can forgive our sins. And this is what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. Ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. Place your trust in him as your savior and Lord. And join us next time as we think of the first and very important commandment. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.